Thank you. Um, when I qualify, I'd like to say I not only had over 100 pound weight loss, I've had over 100 pound hate loss because there was so much rage and anger deep down inside of me. And I was a very nice person, very codependent, very loving, very kind, had no idea how much rage was deep down inside of me. When I first came into OA and I was abstinent for 18 days and I lost my temper, I, I, I saw for the first time I was aware of what rage looked like. Although I did, I did that many, many times over the years, but I was never aware of it. In fact, the doctor said to me one time that I was an angry woman. And I said, what do you mean I'm an angry woman? I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea until I came into OA and I, and I got abstinent and put down the food. And I saw all that anger and that rage that was deep down inside me. So my recovery consists of today that, as I say, I not only had over 100 pound weight loss, but I've had over 100 pound hate loss because I'm not that person anymore today. I love the person that I am today. I was full of self-hatred for many, many years. I'd like to, to just qualify by saying that there's three things that happened to me that um, I did a lot of uh, work over the years uh, in, uh, in therapy. In fact, I had to have a lot of therapy before I could, before I could actually do the 12 steps. Because when I was in, I was in treatment three times also. And the first time I did a fourth step in treatment and we would bring it to group and read it, the therapist says, now that you took your family's inventory, I want you to take your inventory. So my first inventory was all about my family and what was done to me. And they say there's no wrong way to do an inventory because that helped me to see how much rage I had at my family. I had no idea because I was such a loving, kind, sweet person. Um, so like I said, it took a lot of years of therapy um, before I could really do a fourth step inventory and take my inventory. So I, had, I had to do all that work. I had to do all that anger work and all the stuff that you do in therapy. Because OA is not about therapy. OA is about the 12 steps and looking at myself and being honest about myself. I didn't know that. I didn't know that when I first came in. It took me a lot of years to learn that. And I wanna share this because um, when I was very young, I was raised in a family. There was a, my mother, my father, my brother and I, but there was no adult there. And I learned at a very young age that somebody had to be in charge because little children, when they're not being taken care of and protected, I've read a lot of psychology on this, on little children, why they're so scared when they're in dysfunctional homes and they bond with these, these, these dysfunctional parents because they're so afraid of being abandoned and the fear underneath that abandonment, I'm going to die. You know, if, I, if somebody's not in charge of this family, we're going to die. This is what I learned from doing years of the steps and, and uh, therapy. And I carried that. <laughs> when I first came into, when I was doing a lot of service work for years in OA and I did it all, um, I was told that I was controlling. I had no idea what they were talking about because I, see, I was so used to fixing things. 
when I see something that's broken, I need to fix it. And I didn't realize, I mean, I just did a 10 step on being very, I had to leave a meeting because there was so much cross talk and they weren't doing it. And, and this one woman kept pontificating and I was judging everybody. And I had to do a 10 step on that. And I saw that, that what was happening for me was that that little girl, you know, you're my family, OA, you're my family. See, and you gotta be functional because if you're not functional, I'm afraid we're going to die because they told me that we need, to, you know, that the steps are written to protect me from myself, but yet the traditions are written to protect the group from me, you know? 15 you need to protect minutes. the group. Five minutes. Thank you. That's 15. So you're. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I had to, I saw in this 10th step that I, this little girl that was so afraid when she was seven years old was this woman, I'm 88 years old, and this this woman, this little child was in this woman, and I was so angry at these people because they became my parents and they weren't behaving, and we were going to die because I learned in AA that we really need to work the program and we, we need to, we're going to die if we don't have this program. That's how deep this was. That's how old this pain was, but it was so good to discover that, you know, because I, I was in a workshop last weekend where we had an hour and a half for lunch and we were right by the water and I got back there at 1.30, we 12 to 1.30 and people came, come in slowly, slowly, slowly. And the meeting didn't get started till 2.15 and we were supposed to be there. You know, we were supposed to be back by 1.30 and guess what? I wasn't mad. I mean, I would have sat there fuming for 45 minutes at these people because they're not following the rules. But because I had this beautiful spiritual awakening, only two weeks ago about this little girl that's so afraid she's going to die, you know, if we don't follow the rules. It was just absolutely beautiful, beautiful healing for me. But okay, so I want to share real quickly what happened to me when I was a little girl and I was raised in this, in this family. I, I didn't, I was the, the uh, designated problem in the family. You know, if anything went wrong, you know, Dolores got blamed. I was a designated scapegoat of the family. And my brother was the good little boy. You know, my mother would say, oh, my Dominic, he's so good. And her. And I would joke and I'd say, I thought my name was Hurdle. I was five years old, you know. And that's how it was. That's how it was. My mother was a very frightened woman. And my father was a very angry man. And my brother was such a jealous sibling because he was three years old when I was born and I was born into his turf. So he really tried to get rid of me in any way he could. And he picked on me. Until the until almost till the day he died, you know, he, he had never done his work. He was he was uh, around four, almost 400 pounds. And in fact, he died of our disease at 61 years old, by the way. Um, anyway, what, what happened to me was there were older male cousins that sexually molested me when I was a little girl. And I need to tell you this because it's part of my food story. I, at a very young age, I, mistake, I had mistaken that molestation for love. I thought that sex was love. And at a very, very young age, I became a sex and love addict. And my mother, as a teenager, would call me boy crazy because all I, need, I needed to have a partner. I needed to, you know, I needed to be connected with someone. I needed to be loved. And I had no understanding of what that was all about. 
until all the, you know, coming into OA and the steps and all the work that we did, I finally did that, getting a look at my sexuality and how that all started and why I had to eat so much. So that when my mother, when my menstrual theory, I was 11 years old when my menstrual cycle began and she says to me, this is how she told me the facts of life. Now this has happened to you. You must never let a boy touch you because if you do, you'll spoil my family. And I was like, she was from Italy. She was very unsophisticated, God love her. And she really wanted to protect me. I see now that my mother loved, really loved me. My, my parents really loved me. I was a battered child and I physically, emotionally, spiritually deprived by mother, father, brother. But guess what? They didn't lay in bed in the morning and, and say, how are we going to torture Dolores today? It was never, never planned. It was never intentional. They were just acting out of their own dysfunction. And I just happened to be the kid, the, the, the scapegoat of the family. Just happened to be the little girl that was there, you know, that took that. You know, it wasn't done to me directly, Dolores. It was never done to me. I know that today. It was just done to that little girl, this little victim, someone that they had to pick one, that they had to act their dysfunction out on. That's a wonderful, wonderful healing that happened. But I was able to separate, you know, from that. In fact, I was making salad one day and I thought of my father abusing me. And I was cutting up the salad and I was thinking of my father. And all of a sudden, this voice inside of me, in my deepest intuitive self, and it was my father's voice said, honey, I'm so sorry. I didn't know any better. If I knew any better, I would have never treated you that way. See, I can communicate with my parents today because I really believe that they love me and they cared for me. They just didn't have it. My mother wasn't, my mother, I always believed that my mother didn't love me because she never sat me down, looked into my eyes and talked to me. But my mother didn't know how to love herself. My mother was one of 19 children. Imagine, she was the second oldest. She had no childhood. How was she going to give me one? She understands. Thank you. Um, I wanted to mention those few things about, uh, oh, and then when she said that to me about the, uh, if, you, if you go wrong, you'll spoil my family. I knew uh, it's my fault. That's what's wrong with this family. 11 years old, I went, oh, that's what's wrong with this family because I was already touched. This was all deep down inside of me. It didn't come out until I was, 40 years, 45 years ago, when I started doing the steps in this program. All I did was eat and eat and eat and eat. And underneath all that eating was this tremendous guilt and shame. So much shame. And I read a lot about shame. I did a lot of shame work and it's you know, guilt is over what you do and shame is over who you are. And I really believed I had this shame-based personality, this toxic shame. I believed I was a mistake. If God ever made one, it was me. Deep, deep down inside of me. And one day uh, I did, I was on a retreat. It was a silent retreat for 10 days. About, it was about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And uh, we, we, uh, they took away our lipstick, our money, our makeup, everything. We were just like naked there. And we ate the vegetarian food and it was total silence. It was just for eight days. And what I learned when I was there in that silence 
for those for those days was that my what my core belief was. You know, I'm powerless over my thoughts and feelings, and also my beliefs. And a belief is not just what I think. A belief is, I think this is who I really am. And what I got in touch with, my core belief was that I didn't have the right to exist. And that's why I was hiding. I was always hiding. If somebody complimented me, I would look to see who they were talking to. I was always hiding. You were, you were, you were not going to know who I really was that I didn't have the right to exist. Like that was the secret deep down inside of me. I didn't deserve to, re, to exist. And that was at the very, very core, you know, of my 135 pounds that I carried. It was like it was another person because I'm 140 today, so it's like another person, another person that believed that, the other person that I had to let go of. And I took all this pain. I took all this pain into my marriage, and I married a man who was a nice guy, a real nice guy. But he wasn't aggressive and assertive in any way. And I picked him. I didn't know that I picked him. I picked someone that I could pick on because my father picked on me. And I never knew that I picked this gentle, sweet man so that I could pick on him and I could be the one with the power and the aggression. And then I hated him. I hated him for not taking the role of the leader of the family. I mean, think of the insanity of it all. I can go on and on and all about all this, but I want to talk about the relapse and because very briefly, I'll say to you that I ate all the candy, I ate all the cookies at work, at, in school. I stole, the other thing I ever stole was food, candy, lunches, you know. Even my boys, when my children, they're all boys, they're, they're all in their 60s now. When they were little boys, at Halloween, I used to eat their candy while they were at school. And they would come home and they would fight with each other because they would fight. You ate my candy? And I'd hear them fighting. And guess what? I never owned it, never told them. I let them fight. I mean, talk about dishonesty, guilt and shame about that. Did a lot of work. You know, when you take step one and you really know you're powerless, not only, not only over food, but I'm powerless over life. And I'm powerless over all that stuff that happened many, many years ago. Powerless over it. Guess what? Because I know I'm powerless over it, there's no guilt and shame. I learned that. Whenever I feel guilt and shame about anything, oh, get back to step one. You forget you're powerless over this. You see. Five minutes, Doris. Thank you. Which gives me 10 minutes left altogether or five minutes? No, five minutes left. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to just jump over to how I currently prevent my relapse. What I need to do to prevent my relapse is, and it, oh, it's, it's two and a half years that I've had the abstinence that the 10 step promises tell us we can have. We no longer fight anything or anybody, even food. We're not cocky, we're not afraid. The food becomes, it's like normal, it's normal. I never dreamed that that could be possible for me, but I've had it for a year, for two and a half years now. And what I, because I don't want to lose that again. I don't want to read, because I had a bad relapse like four or five years ago. And I don't ever want to go back, you know, into that again. I was very sick. I was in the hospital. I had a lot of things happen to me. I fell, broken bones. I walked with a walker. 
yada, yada, yada. Now, but, you know, my body might be handicapped, but I'm not. My spirit is young and alive. My spirit is young and alive. So I make sure the first thing I do when I open my eyes in the morning is, what do I have to do to be abstinent today? And I make sure that I have my foods in the house. And I believe that I have to purchase them. I have to prepare them. I have to purchase, prepare, and program my food every day. And um, then once I know that I have it in the house, whatever I have, then I have to do my prayer and my meditation. And I make my phone calls and I do my action plan each day, which consists of a lot of things. I'm sure we all know what our action plan is. I won't go on and on about it. So that is what I, what I need to do to prevent relapse, okay? What I did to get back on track. What I did, like I said, to get back on track, the first thing I did when I realized that I had to give up the food, I, I bent over one day and I had all this fat around my stomach and I had been thin for quite some time. So I gained about 45 pounds and it was all around my stomach when I was very, very sick and I was hospitalized. And I couldn't tie my shoes. And I'm bending down and I'm out of breath. I can't talk. And I remembered this alcoholic that I used to date years ago. His friends would say, Dolores really has, has everything together. He said a little something different than that. Dolores has her something together. And he says, yeah, she has it together. She forgot where she put it, you know? And he used to say stuff like that to me. And one day I said to him, you know, I, keep, I was sober. I've been sober in AA also for 43 years and uh, also sober in SLAA for 40 years. Um, he said to me, I said to him, you know, I think I'm one of those people that's constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself. I'm one of those unfortunates. He says, no, he says, can you tie your shoes? I said, yeah, I can tie my, he says, you're not one of them. That means people that are mentally challenged, you know, and I, oh, okay. And I always remembered that. And it was about honesty. That whole power group is about honesty. Well, here I was, 45 pounds heavy, couldn't tie my shoes. And all I could think of was Bob saying to me, could you tie your shoes? And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm so dishonest. I'm so dishonest. I can't tie my shoes. You know what I mean? That whole thing was so connected. So, and I made a phone call to someone and I asked her if she would take my food. And I programmed my food to her for, the, for six months before I got the freedom, you know, the freedom that, that I'm experiencing today. Um, okay. And I just want to say this quickly because I know I don't have this much time. What do I do to prevent a relapse is, see, I'm not just an overeater. I'm an overthinker. I'm not, I'm not just powerless over food. I'm powerless over my thinking. You know, in AA, they say it's not just the drinking, it's the thinking. Because once you put the drug down, whatever it is, you still have the thinking that goes on and on and on. And I need to be aware of that every single day. And I, I, my goal is to meditate for an hour. I don't do it every day. Several times a week I do. My goal is to do, I did it every day for a long, long time, but I don't, I gotta be honest, I don't do it. However, the type of meditation that I do is the breathing, uh, the breathing, the Buddhist type, you know, breathe in, breathe out. You know, instead of being in my, because you can't breathe in and breathe out and think at the same time. So it's whenever fine. I get upset about, I'm going to, okay, and I will close with this. Whenever I get upset about anything, 
All I do is close my eyes and breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. It doesn't matter. Very, food barely calls me. But if I have a food, well, if I have a food thought, I know it's a 10-step issue. You know, it's not a first step. It's a 10-step issue for me. So the, how do I stay out of relapse? You know, because I love, I love the title of rock and roll and relapse. You know, I call myself a relapse survivor for years, but today I don't. I call myself a rock star today. And that's all of us, all of us that keep coming back and move from relapse to recovery. And we can have it just for today. We can have it. And I, and I have it by having my food ready and by my breathing, my mindful, my paying attention to my thoughts, paying attention to my thoughts. You know, my thoughts used to rule my life. They don't do that anymore. I'm aware of my thoughts. I'm aware of what, who I am and what I'm thinking. And it takes prayer and meditation. Without prayer and meditation, I will be back into relapse in a New York second. So thanks, everybody. I love you. Thank you.